chapter 3, please. As we continue to look into the Acts of the Apostles. Mr. David, God bless you. You played like an angel this morning. And Miss Vicki, this sister's on fire for the Lord. I don't know what God has done in her, but let me tell you, this sister's on fire. To God be the glory. Acts chapter 3. What is going on in Jerusalem? What is happening in Jerusalem? Things are not going to be the same. And what you and I are about to witness in the scriptures is a as the Holy Ghost showed me this morning, and he reminded me of this, and you can write this down and keep it forever. This is not a reshifting of powers by the Holy Spirit. This is a distribution of the power of God by the Holy Spirit to men. The very same thing that Lord Jesus had told those disciples that would happen is about to take place. You remember just a few days earlier on the hillside, Lord Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power from where? From on high. And you shall be witnesses of me where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the rest of the what? Alright. Now, take you back 50 days earlier. Same place in Jerusalem. Okay, so not on the hillside. But in the upper room. Where they're having what we call the last what? Supper. Supper. Oh, y'all are with me. And that night, listen what happened. Jesus told them. He said, because I am going away. Okay. I'm returning to the Father. Greater works than these, you shall what? Uh-oh, you are about to see the greater works take place. And folks, because the disciples has gone on before us into the presence of the Lord, those greater works must continue when? Now, today, that's why I told you what anointing was flowing up here is someone would have walked through that door with any sickness of disease or demon possessed. They would have been instantly cured by the, by the spirit of the living God. Amen. And you know what? Well, you and I are about to witness what we're about to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ through the writings of Luke here is we're going to see two great men of God. So empowered by the Holy Ghost that the miraculous is about to take place and is going to mesmerize the crowd in such a fashion that they're going to be running after the appealing of men rather than after God. And the man of God is going to have to stand up and put them in their place. Because you know how people are. They like to run to men and say, oh boy, and worship men rather than the creator. And so... Let's take a look and see what the Lord Jesus Christ has in store because everything he said that night in the upper room is taking place right now in Jerusalem. Same thing he said on the side of that hill when he ascended on high. It's taking place right now in Jerusalem. Let's look at it. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
this is known as the sweet hour of prayer. This is known as the sweet hour of prayer. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock, the ninth hour is 3 o'clock. Okay? And Peter and John, they're headed up to the house of God, to the temple. Now, how do you think they are carrying themselves when they're headed up to prayer? How do you think they're going? What condition is their minds? What condition is their spirit? Their spirit is what? They're set fast on who? They're steadfast on who? On the Lord, on, on God, upon Jesus, because they know what they've been taught by the Lord. They know what the prophet Isaiah said, that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on what? On him. And so as their minds are being concentrated and they're in the state of expectancy, meaning that they're expecting God to do something. They're expecting Lord Jesus to be with them. And so, both of these men are walking together in unison with the spirit of the living God. Because remember, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost did what? He entered them. And so now they're headed up under the power of God to the temple. Watch what happens. At the sweet hour of prayer. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. Now that is an important statement for you and I to know. It lets you know that this thing was not made up. You cannot fabricate this. This man was crippled from birth. And look how God strategically placed this man at the entrance of the temple complex. Let's see what's going on. So is that the temple which is called, at the gate, they're called beautiful, to ask alms. Anyone know what alms are? Beg. Beg, handouts, gifts. It's a fancy way of saying gifts. And so he's looking for something. Why there? Why at the temple gate called beautiful? Why? If you was a beggar, where's the most strategic place you should be? At the gate. gate. But at the gate of the temple, why? Because people's heart are fixed where? On God, and therefore they're more apt to do what? To give. And also as they're going, they will probably give, and on their way back, they're going to do what? Because they don't want others to see them walking by a man in need and not giving and just leaving the temple. Are you getting this part? So if you was in the house of the Lord and you walk out there and there's a beggar who wants something to eat or a jacket right there, we all, everybody know jacket, what you want to do? You want to feed them? Or you want people walking by seeing you go, oh, they're coming out of the house of the Lord and they see a person need food and they're just walking right on by them. <coughs> you want to have that kind of testimony? <laughs> no. You don't want that on you. And so this man a pretty clever decision there. However, it says here, who seeing Peter and John go into the temple, ask for alms, or he was asking for a gift, or begging. More specifically, the way the Greek describes this, that he was begging. 
Okay? And so as he's begging and fixing his eyes on him, what John Peter said, look at us. That means the man of God just took command of the situation. The man of God, by the Spirit of God, just took control of the situation. And he says to the man that is lame, look at us. Why? Because something was about to happen in the heavens. And faster than the speed of light, it was going to be transferred to this man on earth. So y'all hear me? Could he also be talking to the Spirit at that point? The Spirit of God is in him. He could be. But at this time, I think he's talking to the man. And he's saying, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He had no idea what God had in store. So when you show up with expectancy... You and I don't know what God is going to do. Okay? In fact, this man didn't even know who these men were. He didn't know that they'd been in the best schools in the world. These men had just graduated from the greatest theological school there can be. They graduated from the school of Jesus. (laughs) Amen? And were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. So something was about to happen with this man. And he didn't know it. All he knew that when they said, look at us, they thought he was getting ready to do this right here. Go in their pockets and come out with something. However, God had other plans. These men were rich beyond this universe. These men had a wealth that was greater than any bank. And when you're poor, you need to do what these men did. You need to go to the true bank. Okay? Because Psalms 24 said God is the owner of the earth. He owns the earth and the fullness, what? Thereof. Come on, somebody, Miss Marie, been reading, Mr. John, David. You better catch up. Uh-huh. So you hear, look at this. So he's expecting something from them. Then Peter said, seven gold I do not have. Other words, he just said, dude, I'm, I'm just as poor as you. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> the preacher just as poor as he is. So I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold. But however, the man was not poor. Because he was rich in Jesus. Amen. And the wealth of God was about to come down the pipes. And not in a manner which this man was thinking. Okay? He was looking for something to sustain him on a temporal basis. God had other plans. God had plans to do something permanently for this man. Amen? So don't get your expectations down or low. Don't cut now sell God out like that, okay? Don't cut God that short. Watch this. So then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Do you recall back in their school as they were walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, he told them, freely you receive it, freely do what? Give it. That's why God forbid men and women preaching the gospel saying, oh, if you'll send me this, God will do this for you. Are you kidding me? When in fact he said, freely receive, 
Freely give. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never charged a man or woman for healing them or casting a demon out. Okay? Never. So his disciples should neither. Look it on. Look at this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Baby, what did y'all just sing? There's power what? Come on, y'all. Come on, Aiden, where you at? Let me hear you. There's power in the name of who? There's power in the name of who? There's power in the name of who? In the moment they said the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost in them empowered the name of Jesus. And when the name of Jesus hit that man's ears, what do you think happened in his spirit? Come on, somebody. Immediately, his spirit was electrified, and the cells that was bad in his body became alive. Those dead cells came alive in his legs. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of the living God in Peter, the moment Peter said, in the name of Jesus, the words became what? Power. Strength. And strength. And took authority over their lameness. And what happened? Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Oh, come on somebody. Y'all can do better than that for the Lord. You hear me? The greater works than these had already begun. And right there in Jerusalem, where Lord Jesus said, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Tell me they were not witnessing of Jesus right now. The works that Jesus was doing, these men were continuing on with that work. And the crowd in Jerusalem went crazy. Look at it. Now, I want y'all to do a reverse look. I want you to look at Jesus now looking down at his sons. Come on, somebody. Look at God looking at these men from heaven going, those my babies. <laughs> those my boys. Okay? Or my daughters. Catherine Kuhlman, the Lord used her greatly back in the 70s. The Lord healed thousands through her ministry. Thousands. Look at it. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took the man by the right hand and lifted him up. And what happened? Verse 8. So he leaping up. Now, I want to tell you, this man, not only did he get up. Did you see what happened? The manner in which he did? He projected himself up. Yes. Now, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. Caused that man to spring forward like a brand new chicken. Amen? Amen. You ever gone to the doctor and the doctor touched you and you jumped up leaping and the doctor said, oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> the doctor, you just healed me. You ever did that in the doctor's office? No. Not like <laughs> Any of y'all ever done it in the doctor's office? We want to write it down. When the doctor touched you, Miss Marie, did you get up there and start moonwalking and all that crazy stuff? <laughs> huh? No, look what happened. The Bible tells you and I that the moment the Spirit of God touched this man's body, the man leaped up, energized, full of vigor. 
Never before had this man walked. Never. Never before had he jumped. And you know what? People who were familiar with him were standing back watching. Don't you love it when the devil want to look, be a spectator? And it's kind of like we want to brag and say, in your face, devil. Huh? I don't think God wants us to do that, but look what's happening. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Any of you sisters that walked out of the doctor's office shouting, hallelujah, glory to God, I'm healed. No. Uh huh. You you walk out the doctor's office trying to find CVS. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this brother, he was walking and leaping and shouting and glorifying God, all the way to the house of worship. I bet they had a good church service that day. <laughs> hey, man. But he's out of a job now. <laughs> yeah. His buddy's out of a job, right? He can't beg anymore. But you know what? This man, because the Lord Jesus Christ healed him, had to learn a whole new thing about life, didn't he? Yes. That's good. God said, you ain't sitting on your butt no more. <laughs> Sir? It's time to go to work, buddy. Glory to God. God just healed you. In verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, when a crowd become curious about the things of God, it is your, it's a great opportunity for you and I to do what? Testify. And you know, I've told you before that the Greek word for testify is the same Greek word for witness. It's an identical word. So it's your opportunity to open your mouth and testify. And then by doing so, you become a witness. And Peter and John was fulfilling the, the role and the requirement of the Lord Jesus Christ. When it said, you shall be my witnesses. Now, let me back you up. Even before Jesus gave them that, that commandment on the side of that hill there, the Mount of Olives. Go back to the night in which he was betrayed in the upper room. At the closing part of chapter 15 and verse 26, he said, when the comforter come, when the spirit of truth comes, he shall testify of me. Okay. Then in the closing part of that chapter, Jesus said, and you shall also testify of me because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, what did he just tell those disciples that night? He just told them jointly. It's going to be a joint effort between the Holy Ghost and you. Joined together, both of you are going to testify about me. And I'm not going to separate you. You together as one unity is going to be working together, doing the things of God to bring glory to me and testifying about me. Are you getting that? So if you're out there on your own trying to do things about God, Hey, you might as well stop and back up and say, Holy Ghost, uh, forgive me. Come on up here. Let's do this together. Okay? Because it is a joint effort from heaven. It goes to show you that you're no earthly good for God unless you have the Spirit of God working with you. And you wonder why things are not happening. is because you have forgotten the greatest person on earth. You can't do ministry without the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And these men, it was evident that the Holy Ghost was with them. Why? You see that man jumped up like that? Never walked before and people go, whoa, look at that! He's walking! <coughs> and they're amazed and glorifying God. Now, the problem with their amazement is that they were pointing it in, in the wrong direction. Okay? Some of you all like to do that too with preachers and good teachers and all. And other good workers of the Lord, when they do great things under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you want to say, oh, look what so-and-so did. Oh, they baptized 5,000 people that day. Yeah, uh-huh. You better shut your mouth and give glory to Christ. Because watch what Peter and John do with the crowd. They're going to check and they're going to shape the crowd back in the direction of Jesus. Giving Jesus the glory. And that's your responsibility and that's my responsibility when God works through us. And so, looking at verse 11. Now is the lame man who was healed. See the past tense there? Held on to Peter and John. Boy, he wasn't letting them go, was he? Hey, can you see this? Come on up here, Maurice and Ave. Hasty, come on up here. Quickly. Can you imagine this? The man that was lame. These are Peter and John. Y'all didn't know they could be so young, did you? The man was literally just the way he was. And they were going, they were dancing, they were hopping and lifting. That man's gold, boy. And he was having a good time. Okay? That man was happy. And he wasn't ashamed to show people that he was happy. Okay? And I'm sure you, Peter, probably cut a step with him, too. Amen? They joined in the celebration. And that's where we have to be. We have to celebrate Jesus. Isn't that one of the children's songs? Celebrate Jesus? And you get out there and have a good time. So, looking at this, so that, look what happened. And all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's Greatly Amazed. Now, got to understand the location in which this was taking place. You had the court of the women and the court of the Gentile. The court of the women was a little bit closer to the temple, main entrance of the temple. Then you had the court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles back this way where Paul was accused of having a, a Gentile in the temple and he was arrested. That's a whole new story. But anyway, this man and Peter and John, obviously the man was Jewish. Okay? Because they continued on towards what? The temple. Had it been a Gentile, they'd have dropped him like a hot egg. They wouldn't have violated the temple law. Are y'all hearing me? And so, they're headed, and the crowd stops them. And this crowd had to have been a reasonable size of people. Maybe several hundred people, Mr. David. Then gathered around Peter and John and this man. And here's what Peter says in verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Do you see what's taking place with Peter here? 
Do you see Peter taking advantage of the opportunity that God has just presented? To witness. To witness. Oh, she's on it today. Give her a Jesus cookie when she go home. <laughs> and so they are there. The Holy Ghost just presented the opportunity to witness to hundreds and maybe even thousands in the temple complex. And now Peter's getting ready to give these, and guess who they are? These are hardline Jews. And they're getting ready to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch what God does. And y'all wonder why old Big Mouth Me can stand up in a movie theater and say something about Jesus. Because when God presents the moment, we need to take advantage of it. Ephesians 5 tells you, and Paul says, seize the day. Kapadia, seize the moment. Now, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? Why are you looking at us this way? He's saying, or why are you doing this as though by our own power of godliness we had made this man walk? Do you know that in the scriptures, and I think it's Isaiah 43:8, the Lord says, My glory I will not share with another. Nor give my peace to idols. When God does something through you, you need to remember you're but a man. Kids, you're in here, and I'm going to say it the way it said in the King James Version. And so you tell your mom and daddy that the pastor's not cussing, okay? In the book of Numbers, there was a man named Balaam. And they're also riding upon an ass known as a donkey and God used the ass to talk to speak to Balaam now if God can use an ass he can use you <laughs> okay and y'all go tell everybody Pastor Sammy Custom Church and I'll point them to the dictionary Amen. Now, when God gives you the opportunity, everybody, this is when you're supposed to take advantage of it. When you're at the gas station or in Win Dixie, I love to catch people at the checkout lines because they can't go anywhere. <laughs> Amen. Especially when they just put their the gas nozzle in their tank. That's when you get them. <laughs> And you testify about Jesus. What do you tell them? You tell them the wonderful things that the Lord has done for you. Okay? And one of those things, and the chief of them all is, he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Ah, y'all went to sleep on me quickly. And so... He's getting on them, verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. 
but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance and did also your rulers. Now, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, the last part of that, that verse, he said, as did your rulers. Paul would say also in his writing to the Corinthian church in chapter 2, he would start to say to them in verse 9, or actually in verse 8, he said, had the rulers of this age known who Jesus really was, they would not have crucified the Prince of Glory. Had they known, he said, they wouldn't have killed him. But they didn't know because of the hardness of their hearts. He said, you acted just like them. You don't know either. But it's that same Jesus that you and your fathers had killed. This is the same one by his name. This man is healed. Amen? Amen. So he said in the record straight here. Yeah. The Lord Jesus said it. Hanging on the cross. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't know they was under satanic influence, did they? To kill Jesus. But however, more importantly, they did not know that it was the Father's will for Jesus to die. Go back to Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity. And by his stripes we are healed. Hmm. Verse 17, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance and as also your rulers, but those things which God foretold, did you hear that? By the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer. Okay, that's Isaiah 53. Go back and read it. He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out so that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What is the time of refreshing salvation? When Jesus come. Salvation. Okay? Time of refreshing. Salvation. And he's, he's hammering them very hard right now. He's putting it on all the facts out there. And said, this is what you got to do. Instead of being so mesmerized and so amazed by this act of kindness by the Lord, this is what you really need to be doing. Turning away from your sins and turning to the one who just healed this man. That's what you need to be doing. And you know what? That message hasn't changed today. That message is still powerful today. Sinners need to repent. Amen. And be converted. And by turning to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had healed the same man, would save their souls today. It hasn't changed. Men are still sinners today. And men still need to be saved today. Peter, he's landing on the line. Verse 20. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive into the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Listen now. 
He's really going to hit them hard because you know how we know these are hardline Jews? Because in verse 22, he's getting ready to give them something that only the Jews would know. Weren't these guys walking a fine line preaching in that temple to try to convert these people? Yes, it's a fine line. A fine line and for the Jews want to kill them. Yeah. Because when you're talking about salvation outside of the law of Moses, they're going, what you saying? Mm-hmm. They, they was consider- yeah, blasphemous. But these men had the Holy Ghost in them. They were not afraid. And it was in your face telling this crowd what they need to do. And that's what we need to be doing today. Stop trying to sugarcoat and make people happy. Tell them the truth that's going to save their souls. Period. So he tells them in verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed among, excuse me, from among the people. That you will find in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. I know we've got uh, communion here in a few minutes. You remember when Jesus took his disciples to a place called Chasm Philippi? You read about it in Matthew 16. And there, up there, 25 miles north of Capernaum, Jesus asked his disciples this important question. He said, Who do men say that I am? And you remember the first thing that come out of their mouth was some say you are that prophet. That's what Peter just talked about. What Moses had spoke about. And others say you're Elijah. <coughs> And as they began to give their answers, Jesus made the question very personal. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whoo! That same Peter now is standing up, preaching the greatest sermon that a man outside of Jesus had ever preached. What happens? Verse 24, Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. So you go back and you examine the scriptures very carefully. See what Jacob called Jesus shallow. Genesis chapter 49. You see that as he's addressing his son Judah. The scepter of righteousness shall not depart from between his legs. That part you heard me read in Psalms 45. Well, Jacob was telling that to his son Judah. And as you continue on in the book of Judges, there are different names for Jesus. Even Joshua called him the captain of the armies of heaven. That great war you've seen on the battlefield. Joshua said, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, but I'm captain of the armies of heaven. Meaning Jesus Christ is in command of the heavenly host. Wow. Samuel prophesied about him. Isaiah and Jeremiah. Jeremiah called him the branch, the Lord our righteousness. Beautiful. 
And of course, Isaiah, the whole book is just about Jesus. <laughs> hey, man, you pick and choose. Just go with it. And Ezekiel, he was the wheel inside a wheel that was turning. Okay? That, that bright amber. And as you go on, he was Daniel. He was a man standing by the Tigris River that caused Daniel to faint. And Jonah, well, he was the one that caused the whale to, to, to swallow him or the fish. That caused Daniel, I mean, Jonah to make this great proclamation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. In chapter 2 of, of Jonah. And you can go on and on and look at the books of the Bible. And see what God had these men write about Jesus. And then the one that I love also. From that great prophet named Micah. Old Bethlehem of Ephrathah. You being the least among the rulers of my people. Out of you shall come a ruler who shall govern my people. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. That goes with the Christmas story. You remember the wise men? When Herod sent the priest to go and search out, they came back and they quoted that from Micah. Awesome stuff, isn't it? So Peter's reminding them of the prophets and how they wrote about it. And in the very first book of the Bible, God tells you and I about him. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he called, he's called the seed of the woman. Isn't that something? So you just keep looking at the scriptures and God will point Jesus to you. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. But it is they who testify of me. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. As we get ready to close out and start communion, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Folks, he just put them on the spot bigger than ever. So some of you come from, some of you are the descendants of those prophets who wrote this word. Some of you are the descendants of the fathers who received the covenant while in the desert. You are the daughters of the prophets. You are the sons of the prophets. Wow. How can you escape it? So, saying to Abraham, and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, have raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. As we close out this chapter, chapter 3 on the Acts of the Apostles, Peter just told them, God sent Jesus to turn you away from your sins. He's the one you need to be paying attention to. You're the one that needs to be studying the scriptures today in the 21st century. You weren't born a Jew. The scriptures weren't given to your daddy. And the covenant certainly wasn't made with your mother. Like Israel was. But you've been blessed today to hear the gospel. 
And whether you're here with us or around the world, God's word doesn't change. There's salvation in no other than the name of Jesus. And every name that called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In order to have that moment of refreshing, that time of restoration by the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul said, he reconciled all things in his body on the tree. So you and I, the only way that we can be God's sons and daughters, we must have God's son, Jesus, his only begotten son. And so, it's important. Now, Mr. David, in the future, I would love for you to accompany Miss Vicky, if you will, when she gets up to play in the closing part. You play so beautiful. I didn't know you can play that well. I heard you hit a little bit here and there over at your house, but nothing like you played here today. Thank you for blessing the Lord with your talents. And so that day, I can only imagine how many folks rendered their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ through the preaching of Peter and John over that one act of kindness from the Lord healing that lame man that got their attention. Every act or every miracle, every sign and every wonder is there for one purpose and one purpose only, everybody, and that's to be a witness to Jesus Christ. It opens the door for you and I to share our testimony, the testimony of the gospel, what God's Son has done. And not only what He has done, you need to understand this is it's a three-facet thing. And please, everybody, look at me as we close this thing out. When you give the gospel message, you must tell what God by His Son Jesus has done. That's the cross. And what God did, raising from the dead. You also must tell what God is doing presently in your life. Okay? That's the effects also to get the people to believe that God is a right now God. And then the other part, you must tell that Jesus is coming back again. That's the future. So you must tell the past, the present, and the future. That's what the Lord wants. And as we're transitioning from this message of the lame man healed in the temple from the preaching of Jesus, now we get to celebrate Jesus once again by taking the Lord's Supper. By tradition, I usually let the deacons do this part, but I'll continue on and give them a break today. They're just going to aid me. Keep playing. You're playing so wonderful. Taking of the Lord's body, when you partake in the Lord's Supper, it's no joke. Here's the thing that you need to know. That every person, regardless what happened yesterday, regardless what happened last night, the Lord opens His table to you. And it's a table that requires repentance, the turning away from sin before you partake in it. He doesn't deny anyone from partaking. He just tells you to come with a repentant heart. But the good news, 
the Spirit of Christ is present to give the gift of repentance. As Paul tells in his second letter to the Corinthian church, he said, I pray that God will grant you repentance. That's a gift. And so that's present also from the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we get ready to go into this, do know Jesus loves you. God loves you. That's why we're getting ready to partake in this table. Let's do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. turn your chairs this way you may make it a little bit easier for you please show you how this is done it's a little bit different today than usual you're going to receive the pack and for some of you you've done this here with the bread and the wine when we get ready to do it you're going to and adults you may need to help the small ones do this the first sheet you're going to peel back to expose the bread the wafer and remove the wafer and then you slide back the aluminum foil to expose the wine. And then we can partake of it once you have opened it. Okay? It's a little convenient packet. My wife had encouraged me to do this a while back. It's also a little more sanitary. So, on the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he conducted the Lord's Supper as we know it. That night with 12 men that whom he had chosen out of the world. Before that supper was over, one of those men betrayed him. In fact, Satan came in and got him. And now, he's reminded you and I, through those first apostles, that we are to protect in his body and his blood to honor him until he come again this is a promise that he is going to return for you and for me and so partaking in the Lord's Supper is showing him that we have placed our faith in him and we're believing that God his father is going to send him back again just as he said he's going to so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's given them the operation layout of the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the, on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread 
Notice I peeled that away. Okay. It took bread and it gave thanks. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the bread that represents the body of your son, Jesus. And he broke it. And said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, and this is the cup. See how I do it? Just peel it back. We had some old ones we had to throw them away because it's kind of firm in it. <laughs> Saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we're going to do this as the deacons prepare for communion. Why they're doing that, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That means that you will be responsible for killing him. That's what that means. But let every man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For who eats and drinks in a manner unworthy eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body or not caring for the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Go ahead and remove your your wafer and open up the lid to your to your wine. Don't forget, Miss Vicky. Jesus Christ. Go ahead and remove yours too. I'll wait for you. You ready? We'll wait for you, Miss Vicky. You can do it with both hands. 
So on the same night which the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. Let's give thanks. Say with me, Father, thank you for the body of your son Jesus that was broken for me. You can break yours, you don't have to, but he did so it can pass because it was a loaf. Please. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. Let's give thanks together. Say with me, Father, thank you for the blood of your son Jesus that was shed for my sins. Where there is no blood, there's no forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Please protect. That night, being dark and being led by torches, actually that Jesus kept, he continued to teach. He continued to teach. And we get John chapter 14, 15, 15 and 16. God is so good to us, isn't he? Which one of y'all gonna close the prayer? Okay, sure. Before I close, I'd like to thank you for your faithfulness. That really inspires me to see you every Sunday morning, praising God. So let's just bow our hands and thank the Lord for bringing us here. Father, we thank you that you have brought us here to this house of worship. And Lord, we felt your presence. Father, we ask that you be with us today. And for us to shine our light to people around us and in this town and all the other towns that we visit in schools. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today. And Lord, we ask that you be with Israel, Lord. Yes, Lord. Israel is in a bad situation right now. Father, but your hand is with him. Yes, the Jesus. Angels around him. Keep him safe. And the same with this United States, Lord. We need you. We need you, Lord. Yes. In our we thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. God bless you. So.